Good evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. So, was there just a little half pause there, Simon, while you reflected who you were? <laughs> I'm, I'm never always sure. It can vary on a day to day basis, so sometimes I, I have to change. So those of you... Um, well, we have a, a room. Go for it, Ian. Go on. I want to steal your thunder. No, no. We have a room full of guests today. Our virtual studio is uh, is packed um, as party conference season. The the Conservatives closed out this week. We've got, a, we've got three folk who were there in the room where it happened, if I might steal shamelessly from Hamilton. As long as you're not going to start singing, it's fine. Could happen. It, it, it could. Um, and um, we did have a we did have a question when we um, when we start putting out the publicity uh, about the show this evening. Um, why asking why we didn't include any other parties, um, for example, like the Greens. Um, and to be honest, some of that was a bit of practicality. Firstly, their conference isn't until the end of the month, um, so that would mean kind of delaying the show when it played with our het, um, our really well organized schedule um and the other thing is that would make kind of it really difficult to and scrappy to have that many people kind of trying to talk at once so forgive us for not including other voices but we focused on the on the th on a voice from each of the three major uk parties um so we've got um three esteemed guests for this this evening um some will be familiar to followers of the podcast and some won't um, but just um, just to also remind everybody that we are streaming live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Uh, please do like, follow, subscribe and share the hell out of us. We really love it. And if you'd like to put a review um, wherever you catch up with the podcast, we'd really appreciate that. Um, but if you want to put some money in an envelope, we'd also appreciate that too. Yeah, we always want fair and balanced, but give us five stars. Indeed. So let's start with, uh, and we, we're doing this in the order that the conference has happened. So, Paul, welcome. Uh, please introduce yourself and uh, and uh, let us know your your interest in uh, in politics. How you got there, and uh, was this your first time at conference? Uh, okay, a few things going about that. Um, how did I get involved in politics? I guess is the first bit. Um, I got involved in politics, or I got actively involved in politics in 20, late 2013, early 2014, um, for the simple reason that I'd always identified myself as a liberally minded individual. Um, and it was, if you cast your minds back, it was just about a time when UKIP were beginning to cause quite a stir. There were, for want of a better way of putting it, dark clouds forming, uh, or certainly from the view of a more progressive, liberally minded internationalist community there was a threat uh, a re-emerging threat of nationalism um, and I caught myself complaining about it and wondering why I wasn't acting basically um, and two years later we had a referendum Britain voted to leave the EU and you you know the rest of it basically but my involvement started early sort of 20, 2014 as that was as that was building prior to that I've had a lifetime uh, of just following politics I guess I uh, I studied it many years ago and then sort of drifted out of it during a period when I guess there was more political calm and then became more engaged again when the when the waters got uh, somewhat stormier again. So that, that brings you up to where we are now, I guess, for me. And uh, I, I guess viewers might um, 
might see the top as a clue. You are. I think you are. <laughs> I do I've, I've given you all my reasons and not told you which party you're told, um, as if it wasn't perhaps already obvious. No, I'm a Liberal Democrat. Obviously, uh, obviously, always identified as a Liberal, um, and and signed up as a city when when I felt it was time for people with Liberal values to actually stand up and be counted. Marvelous. And was this your first conference? Uh, no, this is my so my first conference was just after Britain had voted to leave the EU in 2016, and I've been there every year since. Um, and perhaps your, your listeners probably won't know or, or may not know this, but unlike the other two parties this year, the Liberal Democrats stuck with a virtual conference. Um, so, ah. so what we are doing here is very much what we were doing at conference kind of thing. Marvellous. More or less well-organised, but we won't say which. Um, okay, so our, our so our next our next guest um, our next guest um, will also be um, familiar to the podcast is uh, is Craig Withy. So um, Craig, do you want to introduce yourself and give us a, a history of how you got into politics? Yeah. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on again, gents. Um, so yeah, Craig Withy in the red corner this afternoon uh, from the Labour Party. Um, how did I get involved in politics? So I, I first, well, the, the, I first joined um, the Labour Party back in two thousand and thirteen, um, after I left the military, um, and and then had a, a sort of a, a brief break for for a year or so when I, I moved abroad and then moved back um, and and rejoined. Um, so I'm I'm the, the the vice chair of of Portsmouth Labour Party. Um, and I was also the um, can candidate for East and Queenswater Ward in the, the, the elections last year. So that's um, where some may know me from. Um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I've always been um, a, a sort of a, a Labour support. I mean, I grew up, as you can probably tell, um, in the northeast, in a working class sort of red wall town. Um, and it's it's stemmed from there, really. I, I just think I've always had those those sort of values um, from from being sort of quite a young age and until now and yeah things have sort of taken off a bit in the past few years or so and um yeah i do quite a lot um locally and then nationally um as well i sit on a on on a the, the committee of an organization called labor friends of the forces um and it's um an organization made up of sort of shadow front bench mps and veterans and we look at um, sort of veteran support, um, things around defence policy for for the party, and and work quite closely with the with the shadow team. So that's me. Thanks for having me. Thank you, marvellous. First conference. Uh, it was this time. Yes, yeah. First one. Excellent. And uh, a gent who we've wanted to get on the podcast for a while. Robert, can you introduce yourself? Hi, thanks, guys. So um, I'm Rob New. Uh, I'm councillor for Copnall Ward and uh, was first elected in 2011. So now in my third term. So I'm feeling more like a veteran now. Um, and I got into politics in 2005. And the very sad um, real reason is, is that the person who I was dating at the time had also got involved with the party. And I felt like I never saw them. So the only time I get to see them would, would be to go out campaigning with them on a Saturday morning. Um, and then it snowballed from there and took over my life. So um, I, and now just for the benefit of viewers, so I am chairman of Portsmouth North Conservatives. Um, I also work for a government minister uh, and I am the shadow portfolio for green recovery and climate change, whatever that actually entails, which I'm not entirely sure anyone in the council currently knows, but 
I'm rolling with it at the moment. So because actually I quite like the uh, my opposite numbers, the good eggs. Marvelous. And uh, first conference or maybe a few. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm, I think the, the, the uh, alcohol from many conferences over the past 15 <laughs> years is still in my body. Super. And to be fair, you're, you're, you're coming off the back of it, so, uh, so uh, it should all be fresh. So in terms of those listening and watching, we're going to invite each of our three um, to share their favourite three things from Party Conference. Could be a policy, could be a direction of travel, or it could be even a secret conversation in the bar after the dead of night. We always love a bit of scandal. Um, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll kick those things about. So, Paul, how do you fancy kicking us off with the yeah, uh, best thing about Lib Dems? By all means, by all means. Right. Um, I'm going to start on housing. Um, because it's a subject which uh, we addressed at our conference and, and this country has avoided for 40, nearly 50 years now. Um, we've been seeing in this country for, uh, again, the best part of 50 years, uh, supply of housing simply not meeting demand for housing. And what we've ended up doing as a consequence of that is creating this huge divide of the haves and have-nots in societies. If you own property and you've owned property for a long period of time, the value of that is going up considerably greater than inflation. So your wealth is increasing whilst all the time the increase in your wealth is preventing new people from joining the property ladder to give you just a simple example in the first six months of this year house prices increased by 13.2 percent now unless your salary increased by 13.2 percent over that same six month period buying a property just became more difficult for you and we are getting to a point in this country where that lack of supply Scarcity is causing the price to go up and up and housing itself simply to have a, a roof and food for walls around you is becoming a luxury. So Liberal Democrat Conference, we committed to building uh, 380,000 new homes per year um, by ensuring that those 380,000 new homes per year, because often the, the excuse which is made or the nimbiest excuse is made is a, is a faux environmental one. So 380,000 homes per year, but uh, homes which are environmentally sustainable and carbon neutral. Um, and rather than having the government at the moment, which is what we're seeing, having this top-down uh, approach which, which forces solutions on those communities uh, without any say, um, we believe in actually putting local communities at the heart of that decision-making process. Um, so again, I think this is an area which has been avoided for too long if we go on ignoring it we are going to end up in a situation where literally we have people on reasonable middle-class incomes who are homeless um that that is the absurdity of the position which we are approaching in this country so 350 new homes per year carbon neutral um to provide for a future for future generations so i'll leave that there guys no marvelous so craig your thoughts on that uh, yeah, thanks, gents. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously housing was was discussed um, massively at uh, our conference too. Um, we did pass um, a, a motion on the conference floor, uh, really aimed aimed at, at housing. And um, as as Paul men mentioned there, 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 I mean there is a massive um, a massive shortage of, of housing in, in this, this country right now. And I mean we, we're seeing it locally in Portsmouth as well. Um, this the, the the 17,000 new homes that, that have been sort of put on us by the um, by the Conservative government, it, it's not an, an achievable um, target for us to be able to 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 get 
well, on the island. We, we, we are an island and there's, there isn't the, the space for us to be doing it unless we lose green space and, 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 and go up. Um, yeah, on, on the shortage and the rise in, in house prices, I mean, I'm, I'm currently going through the, the process right now of, um, of buying my first house and the, the, the price is astronomical compared to what they were um, even just a couple of years ago. So it is something that, that does need to be tackled. Labour, um, as I said, have passed motions on, on this as well um, to, to meet sustainable targets um, to future-proof the country, which is something that we're not seeing currently from from the government. I mean, we we've seen ministers grilled on um, on on live shows in in the past few weeks where they've they've been brought up on the, the fact that they've built zero um, social housing uh, in the past mm -hmm. eleven years while they've been in government. So yeah, it's something that Labour are looking at as well, um, and we we will be pushing, especially on the social housing side, um, to to start and get some some real targets and to. To, to build the, the homes that the country needs, because right now the housing stock is so low that um, it's it's not sustainable for the future. Uh, interesting dilemma there. So, Rob, your thoughts? Well, I don't I don't actually disagree with some of the points then, but I think it's a much more complex situation. So, Paul touched on actually the crisis has been going on for about fifty years, and I think he's right. Pretty much, um, uh, you know, probably sixties onwards, really. Um, and the inflation, the cost of living prices that are going up, you know, are huge obstacles. However, last year after our conference uh, during the pandemic, um, there were some brilliant tools that have been launched. One of the one, one of the ones that I'm hoping to be able to use, which is around the new 5% mortgage, which is going to unlock the ability to have a mortgage for a lot of people. But it's whether people can still save that 5% mortgage, I think, is the concern. With house, no one can escape from the fact that house. I, I'm uh, sorry, prices, all, all you're doing by doing that is releasing more money. So, sorry, can I can I just finish my point? I, I didn't I'm sorry, speak over you. It needs to be called out. Paul, can we just let Rob finish his point, please? Thank you. So there are some tools that are coming forward. However, the wider problem is to do with the fact that there just aren't enough houses. And just to really make a point in terms of local Portsmouth-based um, development, so the Lennox Point development, we had a briefing on that the other day, and it wasn't good. And I think it's fair to say across all of the benches, there are concerns around what we're seeing. So there's a target built into that development of three and a three and a half thousand houses of 30%, what they call affordable houses. So when I put the question forward to the officers of, well, what, what does that mean? Because everything's affordable to someone, you know, what's the social housing breakdown? You know, are they gonna be council houses, a housing association, or just cheap, cheaply made houses that people will be able to get a cheap mortgage for? They couldn't tell us, which was, Disappointing. So I think the problem is complex. We do need to build more houses. There's no getting away from that. But I do think that nobody seemed to have tackled that over the past 40 years successfully. Um, and there's clearly a lot more to do. Thank you, Rob. Simon. Okay, thank you. Um, just thinking ahead to where we, um, how we kind of move through. Um, if I can just ask people's comments to the policies that each of you um, mentioned to if we can try and kind of limit those responses to a, a minute and be a response to that what that um, other contributor has said because um, obviously you'll be able to speak to the the things that um, the policies that, um, that you've got but I just think that might be might just kind of help us make sure we get through all, all of the points otherwise we might scrabble for time at the end so that draw that um, so um, moving not so swiftly on to uh, so Craig what what was your third most important thing that you would want voters to know um, about your conference 
Thanks, Simon. Yeah, so I mean, everything that, that I'm, I'm bringing today is quite sort of labour centric, to be, to be honest. Um, so um, the, the first point I, I want to come on to is uh, really around around the party leadership. Um, I mean, this was Keir Starmer's first um, in-person uh, conference since he was elected um, as leader uh, in April last year. Obviously, the pandemic has, has prevented him um, presenting himself to, to, to a wider audience um, since then. And I think for, for Keir, what, what this conference brought um, was really sort of a, a show of of him consolidating um, his his leadership and, and showing that he's he's here to stay and he's he's the man for the job and, and he's, he's the one that's going to be pulling us forward. Um, I think what we saw in in his speech um, was him uh, setting out his, his principles and really communicating to the to, to voters and, and the wider public what he is all about as a person. Um, there was some some very um, sort of personal and and, and moving. Um, stories. He, I mean, he touched on um, some of the legal work that he'd done. Um, there was a, a family uh, in the audience of a, a, a girl that had been murdered, and he he worked um, when he was director of public prosecutions to change the law um, to to benefit benefit those and and to to bring that that person to to justice. Um, as well um, as as part of his leadership, obviously he's brought in David Evans um, as the, the party's general secretary. Um, his uh, his his sort of post was, was ratified by a, a, a vote um, as well with quite a strong majority. Um, so with I mean with Keir uh, in in his, his speech, I mean there was a real sort of energy um, in the room. I, I know some people say that it, his speech maybe went on a bit long, um, but the I mean the aim really there was was for it to be an hour. But I think there was so much in it and so many sort of long applauses and, and standing ovations that it did drag out to an, an hour and a half. So yeah, great conference for for Kia. Um, it's really sort of showing that he's he's in it for the long haul, um, and he's a credible alternative to to Boris Johnson. Okay, um, thanks, Craig. Um, so I'll I'll invite Rob now to um, make any comment on on that, please. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, I like Sir Keir Starmer. Um, so I've had the privilege of spending some time with him, actually. Uh, so where Penny is obviously a government minister and then a pro uh, previous role as a secretary of state. Um, and at the time when Jeremy Corbyn was uh, the party leader, they were quite unkind to him. And I went to, uh, I think it was 2019, uh, sort of 2018, just before the pandemic struck. Um, and uh, Penny was up for a politician of the year award for the Pink News. And... Uh, and I have to say, Diane Abbott and uh, uh, Corbyn, etc., were quite unkindly. He was supposed to have been sat on the Labour Party table next to us, and they, they removed his placard. They were very petty and spiteful. And he came and sat next to us, and he was so nice, and we spoke quite a lot about his past. I felt sorry for him at his first party conference live. I thought that some of the heckling was very distasteful, especially when he was talking about his late mother. I thought he had some good things to say. And, you know, it brings me back to the point where I'm pretty sure that every you'll agree with me on this. I still think that when it comes down to it, those of us that are in the centre, there's more that unites us than actually divides us. And, you know, there were some good takeaways. And I have to say, uh, I was obviously taught, I have friends who are Labour councillors, um, people in the Labour Party, uh, and, you know, I was happily tweeting along and messaging with them and saying, you know, are you guys some people I feel sorry for? Because actually, you know, I think you need a strong opposition um, because it feels a little bit like it's a single nation state at the moment. And whatever people think of Boris, you know, <laughs> I certainly didn't vote him. But 
you know, at the moment it kind of feels like he's unchallenged. Okay. Thank you. And, and Paul, if I can invite you to make comments on uh, on Craig's point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'll preempt this by saying this, this, this isn't the insult it's perhaps going to sound like. Um, I found Keir Starmer at his conference incredibly dull. Um, and, and when I say that, I say it's not the insult that it immediately sounds like. Corbyn, of course, was very lively, very radical, very good at engaging uh, the far left. Um, that didn't work electorally. Um, Keir Starmer came across as a serious, sensible individual who on this particular occasion may not have left a massive impression with the general public in any which direction, but he did, I think, probably set uh, a bar, if you like, or, or set expectations where there is a perceived level of competency within the Labour leadership that perhaps wasn't there before this conference. So, and I guess in a way, our own conference with Ed Davey as a relatively new leader wasn't so different in many ways. Um, I think the two party conferences both had the similarities that they both wanted to cement the idea of a solid, safe pair of hands leading their party. Um, and that's why I say when Akir Kistama came across to me as a bit dull, um, perhaps that's not how he comes across, or at least the message that he's getting across to people in Middle England actually isn't a particularly negative or dull one. It's giving them a sense of reassurance. Perfect. Thank you, Paul. So first point then, Rob. Um, so in terms of from my own conference, um, I think the certainly for myself, um, and, and especially because it seems topical and because I think it's actually been a bit of an elephant in the room for quite some time, and that's tackling violence against women and girls. After the recent events uh, with the uh, police officer, um, Wayne Cousins attacking and raping and murdering um, uh, Sarah Everard, I think that shocked the nation. And with all, you know, everyone wants to live on safe streets, etc. And it, I think for me, what it kind of showed me from listening to the fringe events from people that have experienced attacks themselves, you know, obviously less minor, um, through to hearing the Home Secretary uh, uh, speak on it, and also people like um, former Councillor Donna Jones, who's the new Police and Crime Commissioner for uh, Hampshire and the Isle of Wight about actually just how complex some of these situations are and unique for every different community, Portsmouth being no different. Um, and talking about the need to, you know, look at new strategies for neighbourhood policing teams, more CCTV uh, across the city um, to, in order to be able to make our streets safer. Um, and other things as well, we all value our community wardens and it just seems so incredibly complex, but I think the overriding thing for me, which I think is going to be a mountain to climb, is how do you make people feel safe on the streets? And um, I kind of will expand this a bit beyond women and girls or violence towards women and girls as well, because off the back of it, I, I, certainly in this past week after coming back from Manchester, I've seen no fewer than three um, different members of the LGBT community, one in London going across the Charing Cross Bridge that was bottled just for holding his partner's hand, um, with loads of people around, you know, uh, witnessing it, allowed it to happen sort of thing. Well, perhaps that's a poor choice of words, but, you know, you wouldn't expect yeah. that um, in a crowded place. Somebody in Manchester where I was, and uh, um, very happily, actually, on that Tuesday night, I went on a date with someone. It was really nice, and so after the 
date was ending. I was like, well, this can go one or two ways. I was like, you, we can either say goodbye now or you can come into the uh, Viper's Nest of the Conservative Party conference with me. I'll blag you in um, into the biggest, the hottest party of the week. And it was kind of nice because I was holding hands, you know, uh, with him uh, walking there. And then literally two days later, I read that somebody like one road away had been attacked really badly just for doing the same thing. And, you know, that kind of just brought it home to me that in a big city even where, you know, it's well lit, there are a lot of CT CCTV that there seems to be a problem, a systemic problem from the ground up with people's behavior and intolerances. And then when you add in the mix, you know, the very serious issues that are going on around, um, women against violence and girls, especially over the past 18 months where people have been locked up. You know, I think a lot of people are very concerned about it, but it's how do we actually tackle it? Because it seems to me, because of the way that government works from the top up, so it's fine for the Home Secretary to sit there and say, yeah, we're distressed about it. Nobody would disagree about that, but they're just words. So it's how do we translate that all the way down to the local authority, the constabulary, community safety partners, the refuges, etc. It is, to me, it seems so incredibly complex. But I think it's certainly at the fore of the public's um, uh, consciousness currently as well. Massive issue, Rob. So, Paul, your thoughts? Um, it's, it's difficult to disagree with anything um, that's actually just being said there. I don't think there's an awful lot that I would immediately want to to add. Um, I that's, think that's okay. I mean, I, I think the the only thing I will add is that there is. Uh, we need to be conscious of, of why this is happening, um, because we have seen a rise in hate crime in this country over the last few years, and this kind of anti-wokeism uh, culture war, whereby uh, diversity itself is effectively uh, attacked. Um, so I, I absolutely uh, agree with absolutely in the sentiment behind what everything that Rob said. Um, I would ask us all though to look at the causes and, and exactly how, and again, I don't direct this to Rob specifically, I don't I don't mean to criticise him in any way, but, you know, his party is behind an awful lot of the hate we're seeing currently in society. You know, there has to be some reflection on what the cause of this is, other than us all just simply agreeing that it's a terrible thing. Okay, Paul. Craig. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree what, with, with what Rob's said there. I mean, it's, there's some huge sort of systemic problems within society that, that's allowing this to to go on, um, and I, I think all of us um, have a, a part to play in, in in tackling this, not just sort of the government and, and the police. And um, I think that there's a, a massive um, piece of work that we should all be doing in, in challenging um, certain behaviours and, and, and calling out um, these things in in society. I mean, the the, the, the Home Secretary has, has sort of said quite a lot on this, um, sort of speaking out against sort of the violence against women and girls. Um, and um, I mean, it, it wasn't great that uh, the Deputy Prime Minister <laughs> the other day um, didn't really know what misogyny was. Um, so it, it does start at the top down, but I think we are, have all got a massive part to play um, and, and we should all be picking up and, and challenging these behaviours. Brilliant. Thank you, sir. We'll go into round two. If I ask you just to keep it crisp, gentlemen, in the interest of time, Simon, do you want to lead? Okay, so um, sorry if I can just click the button. So the um, so then basically this is your second most important thing from your conference. So we're we're back to Paul, please. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> thanks, Simon. Um, actually, 
point Rob was just talking about, this this leads into this quite nicely. Now, I appreciate for a lot of people with everything that's going on in the world, this might not seem like the most significant thing to bring up, but actually for people who are affected by this, um, and that's an awful lot of people as, as I'll come on to in a minute, um, it absolutely is. So, and, and, and it's one of those things which I, I, I struggle to understand how this even exists still and goes on in 2021. Um, so Liberal Democrats at conference passed a motion to ban conversion therapy. Um, now, I, I plead complete ignorance or, or certainly a, a great deal of ignorance prior uh, to this conference and, and how widespread it was. One in 13 LGBT plus people and one in seven transgender people have been uh, either taken part in or have been coerced towards uh, some form of uh, conversion therapy. Um, now, I hopefully don't have to spell it out to anyone, but this is hugely damaging to anyone psychologically who goes through this. You are effectively trying to gaslight an individual into telling them that what they fundamentally understand with their truest and clearest understanding of themselves is simply not true. And yet, significantly in this country still religious organizations have been allowed to practice so-called conversion therapy um, this government's made a lot of noise about it but again has done absolutely nothing about it so whilst i hope there can be general agreement amongst the three panelists here um, that this is deplorable we we absolutely have to take action upon this um, so liberal democrats have agreed that we ban conversion therapy in all forms um, without any uh, religious exemptions. Um, we make it illegal to transport people outside of the country in any way or to, to facilitate the people traveling out the country um, in order for conversion therapy. Um, and we need to bring more public awareness to this because this is a far bigger, more prevalent problem than the vast majority of people in society recognize. But actually, if you fall into one of these groups of people, actually this is a very very real danger for you and if you're in a vulnerable position the ability to be coerced and to be put in a very very dangerous uh, potentially life-threatening position because of what you are being told is very very real so again i'd hope there would be general agreement amongst the panel but equally that we would all actually agree that something and more more needs to be done thank you paul um and um so to respond to um so to Paul's um, comment there, um, Craig. Uh, yeah, not not a huge um, amount to, to add on this one. Obviously, conversion therapy. The, the Labour Party has spoken out against it as well. We passed um, motions in favour of LGBT plus rights uh, at conference, um, covering this and covering uh, the rights of, of trans um, people as well. I mean, trans trans rights are, are human rights, and we we should all be. Um, supporting and, and again, like I, I touched on before, challenging behaviours that, um, that that really sort of go against these messages. Okay, thank you, um, Rob. If you'd like to come in there. Yeah, I mean, I I do agree with uh, most of the points that are raised. It's in the Queen's speech. It has to be delivered within this uh, Parliament, you know. Um, and I have to say, having been at conference, I know that my colleagues within LGBT conservatives. It's the well, that and also around equality, you know, for transgender people and other people from, you know, uh, intersectional sexualities and whatever, you know, it's, it's much more complex than what's quite often perceived, uh, you know, or shown to us on the news. But um, we had Carrie Johnson as the key speaker at the LGBT Conservatives uh, Fringe. Um, and it was one of the key themes that she spoke about with regards to um, 
banning conversion therapy. Now, she obviously shares bed with the Prime Minister. So I would suspect that being at the very top of government and giving such a clear message on that, I think it will be delivered sooner than what we know. I mean, my thoughts on this trust around this. Yes, I was alarmed when she became a qualities minister. Um, I'm sure that we probably will have similar views on it. However, I do think that one of the problems in government, doesn't matter whether they're Conservative, Labour, Lib Dem, Coalition, whatever, it doesn't matter. Those people are not experts in those areas. They come in and they're relying on the civil service to provide them with information and to guide them. And that's a part of the problem in terms of the delays that it takes because there's so much bureaucracy. And I can say that's somebody that works for a government minister. Now, Penny used to hold that brief and it took us ages to get the gender recognition um, consultation out the door and then to get it back in. I mean, it was a huge exercise, a humongous amount of resource management. They got one of the biggest consultation responses ever back. And then the analysis, etc., is just huge. Um, but I suppose really what it comes down to, though, on top of that, so we know that you know, government, whether it's central, local, moves at a glacial pace, if you say that you're going to do something, people do expect it to be done and enshrined into law. And I, I would like to see that done sooner rather than later. Okay, thank you, Rob. So we've got five more topics to get through, gents. We are going to have to stay crisp if we're not going to hideously overrun. Um, so, but want to give everybody a fair suck of the sauce bottle to use the Australian vernacular. Craig, your second choice. Yeah, thanks. Uh, again, um, blowing blowing the labour horn uh, on this one. Um, so, I, I think that the, a, a strong message that, that's come out of of, of conference um, for Labour is that um, Labour is is a party that really wants to 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 be taken seriously again. Um, there was a lot around or showing that, that the party has, has turned turned the corner. Um, I mean, we look at the, the the massive defeat that we suffered in the general election in 2019, um, the, the worst defeat um, since since the 1930s, um, and really showing the public that that period of of, of soul searching um, and, and addressing sort of what went wrong um, is now over. I mean, we, we've closed the door. Um, on some of the, the things that have dogged us in, in the past, um, anti-Semitism. Um, I mean, we, we've we've seen at conference actively passing um, rule changes to bring into to practice the um, EHRC report um, into anti-Semitism within the party. That's and and it's it, it's finished. We've 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 moved on. We've closed the door um, on these things, and we we show in the public now. Um, the party can be can be, be trusted and, and be um, an alternative to uh, the Conservatives. We, we're not a party um, that that sort of has the, the, the backroom deals. It's all about transparency, um, and we, we're working hard and doing all that, that we can. And it's it's coming um, to win back uh, the voters that um, that deserted us in 2019. Um, and, and and I mean, Kia has has sort of been up and down the country finding out what those issues were um and we we're addressing them and and we're moving on perfect thank you craig rob any comment on that good luck <laughs> <laughs> okay that's, that's brief no, I'll, I'll take that as concise that's lovely work and uh so cross to paul yeah, I think I'll probably give you a bit of time back as well. Um, the only thing, I mean, yeah, good luck. The, the, the only thing I was going to comment on is 
I'm not sure you can categorically say you put anti-Semitism to bed in the Labour mm. Party for the simple mm-hmm. reason that I'm not sure you can categorically say that you will ever remove every hard left Rothschild conspiracy theorist from the planet, basically. So that, that element is always going to linger on in the Labour Party. I think it's a question of uh, how much influence it has. Um, and certainly I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged uh, by what I've seen from the Labour Party um, and from a number of people I know in the Labour Party that have told me that things appear in that regard to be moving in the right direction. But I'm, I'm not sure that it's dead or that it ever will be completely dead in Labour. Perfect. Thank you, Paul. Simon. Okay, so uh, so now we move to uh, to Robert's um, second most favourite thing um, from the Conservative Party conference. So this is a bit of a broad thing, but it's kind of like all things environment. So um, I think we are definitely the party that owns the environmental grounds in terms of we are definitely the greenest government that's ever been. And certainly seems to me that... Uh, the prime minister is certainly behind it in fact i think i saw him speaking more about the environment net zero uh, along with his father than anything else like you turn around and the prime minister was there wherever you went um it was kind of like he had his own little network of secret doors going on like the red keeping game of thrones um and so but on a serious note it's very heartening because i have a lot of colleagues across the country who i see at conference face to face who are part of things like the conservative environment network um various organizations that do a huge amount of volunteering as i'm sure every party actually has but you know they're, they're actually helping to shape policy that's coming forward around uh, environmental conservation um and a specialist interest area for myself is um, marine conservation so as a, a keen surfer um somebody that loves the beach and running away to the ocean when things are stressful um I, I was very aware that there were lots of policies coming forward, um, especially around things like so low tech solutions to deal with um, cleaning up coastal community waters, etc. But I kind of offset this with unless you can get a crack and get hold of these troublesome local water companies around the country. Mm. because clearly fines don't seem to be working it's all well and good having the most amazing policies in the world but it's not going to count for some anything if your shellfish beds are still being um contaminated with e coli which is then closing down fisheries it's going to put a block on um, having sustainable uh harbors fisheries etc marine life none of it goes hand in hand and again it kind of comes back to my point of there's, there does seem to be good policies around this, but unless everything is all synced up and works together, and that goes right the way through to the local authority, um, we're never going to achieve where we want to go to. And I think we probably all agree on where we actually want to be with the uh, you know carbon neutral net zero stuff. We want to have thriving environments. We want to have great oceans, etc. Um, you know, we really want to roll stuff back. Um, but we're never going to get there unless unless we can take charge of some of these bigger things. And I don't know whether that includes, you know, I'm not really a fan of nationalisation, but I do appreciate that in some cases, such as perhaps water, that may be the only viable solution on, on things like that. Um, so, yeah, the environment, education around the environment, huge jobs in the environment sector um, and looking to be innovative. It certainly was a theme for us. Um, And also as well, some exciting innovation as well. So one of the things that's always 
struck me as strange and it was great to finally hear people talking about this conference is we obviously have the Atlantic with great swell, especially at this time of year. Um, why are we are not harnessing tidal wave electricity generation, etc. You know, I hate the fact that we're relying on things like interconnectors. I've always thought they were bad. You know, ever since I saw things that I know it's not an inter interconnector, but where we saw maybe 15 years ago, Russia threatening to shut off the energy to the Ukraine, which they then duly did, or gas. Um, you know, and and with recent events with uh, the French making threats to Jersey and the Channel Islanders, you know, it doesn't sit well with me. And then obviously the Aquin situation, you know, it's it's not good. But the environment, all things environment, was kind of at the core of everything at our conference. And I have to say, the Prime Minister was the biggest champion of that, along with his father. Okay, um, thank you, Rob. Um, just to remind listeners that we, on the 24th of October, we've, we're welcoming Let's Stop Aquind uh, back onto the show to talk to us uh, about the, 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 the pending decision by Quasi Kwarteng about whether, um, whether the Aquind interconnector will, will go ahead or not. So there'll either be a celebration or a what's next for your campaign uh, conversation. So do make sure not to miss that one. Uh, Paul, your responses to, um, to, to Paul's second most important thing from conference? Um. Yeah, I'm not sure where to start. Um, um, the most environmentally friendly government in history. Um, Fact. Sorry? Fact. Fact. Okay. We're literally sat on the south coast at the moment, and uh, we are surrounded by sewerage. There, there is a major warning on the south coast at the moment because of pollutants, which your government is allowing companies to pump into the sea and has actively told companies that they can reduce their levels and pump more pollutants into rivers and the sea in this country. Um, Aquind has just been mentioned by Simon. Um, the stench of government corruption around that, I think many, many people in this area are familiar with. If anyone has bothered to look uh, at the Paradise Papers, you will be familiar with the links there. Um, to, to claim that this government, I mean, Boris Johnson's dad, you made reference to, who campaigned vigorously to remain in the European Union on environmental grounds against his son. Um, I, I, I don't know what else I, I need or can really add to that. Um, this is a government which doesn't care about the environment, has been in power for 11 years, and the idea that you're coming up with some ideas now to save the planet, which you are literally busy telling companies they are welcome to pollute more than you have ever allowed them to in the past, is beyond disingenuous. Thank you. Sorry, oh. if I can just come back in there. Please, please, please do. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely just, just, not the case. We're here to talk about what was announced at our conferences. And I'm just saying to you that at the core of much of what was said to the environment was a central theme, which is true. I was there. I listened to it. It's now, I take it. I'm sorry. If we can only I, have I one person yeah, speaking at once, especially, guys. Sorry, I, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I, I mentioned that even to the point where I said that they're problematic and that needs to be um, got hold of. In fact, well, organisations like Surfers Against, surf, surfers against Sewage are actually launching campaigns, which I've been so part of, which I've been happy to support. No, I don't think it's disingenuous. Yeah. I just think the government is more complex. And if your party ever was able to get back into being a pipe government, which is never going to do without <laughs> someone like the Conservatives, you know, you would actually probably understand this. And you obviously got are involved you after the government. Gentlemen, 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 I think you've both made your points. Um, 
let's let Craig, let, let's, I, mean, I, mean, I need to I need to bring Craig into it so that he can make his comment we're about literally rock, allowing our rivers and seas to be polluted Paul, and, and Rob won't admit that, that and it's wrong Paul, 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 Prime Minister. Paul you've you've made that point Rob you've you've rebutted that point you can't acknowledge that that is disingenuous Paul, and that those are the words of fraudster Paul, they're right there Paul thank you I need to bring in Craig because oh, um, we are really um, otherwise we're going to struggle to 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 get everything in uh, Craig, if um, if you can, um, if you'd like to comment on uh, on Rob's second most um, important thing from conference, please. Yeah, um, I'm. I mean, I'm just going to go on and, and and really talk about um, what came out of, of the Labour conference on on climate change. I mean, climate change is obviously one of the the biggest. Um, well, <laughs> call it a, call it a, a pandemic or or issue that that, that, that we've we've ever faced, um, and and to really. Sort of bring us back from from the brink. Um, Labour have put together um, what's called the Green New Deal. Um, it's been something that's been been sort of championed and, and spoken about for for quite a while um, within the party. We've built on it um, yet again um, this year at, at conference, um, and and it, it's about just sustainability. I mean, we've we've got to move away from um, from from the use of fossil fuels. Um, we, we need to be investing more in um, in green jobs and green energy um, and, and bringing really leading the way um, from from the front, really. I mean, Britain and a lot of people talk about um, sort of China and, and other um, countries that are sort of high level polluters. But Britain really needs to be be leading from from the front on this and, and being a, a shining example um, to the world, really, of, of what we can do. Um, to, to 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 as I said, bring us back from the brink. Um, we passed the, the, the two motions on 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 the Green New Deal. Um, all they, they were both quite quite similar, really. All all centered around um, sustainability um, and and heavily um, greening up all of our industries. So yeah, I I, I agree that it's it's a, a massive challenge. We there are issues um, locally as as well as nationally, but Labour is working working hard to to bring us to be the pinnacle in the world, really, um, in the fight against climate change. So I'll keep that brief there. Thanks. Thanks, Craig. Thank you, Craig. As we get into our final three, we really are now very tight for time. So if we can just keep ourselves nice and crisp. So we will start the lead off. Paul, your favourite thing from the Lib Dem conference. Okay, we did. Part of a, a, a vast policy. So I've just skimmed it down to one little bit, which I've, I've broadly called Liberty, um, which within it had four subsections, if you like. Um, this was a beacon for individual rights, diversity and inclusion and addressed four key areas. And I guess I wanted to bring this to everyone's attention because it is key and fundamentally liberal. Um, so point one was about addressing misogyny, which obviously in our current society, as we're all aware, and we're all familiar with the Sarah Everard case, um, violence against women and girls um, continues, of course, until to, to this day. Um, and Liberal Democrats really want to address that. We really want to address that fundamentally by through education as well. Um, it's important that we are talking to young boys, to young men, to introducing age-appropriate sex education so that a lot of the misogynistic behaviour which we see in society is simply not repeating itself generation after generation. Um, we wanted to tackle racism as well. Now, I'm stating the obvious by saying that we want to tackle racism. Everyone wants to tackle racism. I'm sure there would be uh, broad agreement here, but we need to stop the disproportionate use of stop and search. Um, and we have to abolish the Conservatives' hostile environment bill, which, which um, thirdly, 
freedom of expression. Now, this is terrifying. This should be terrifying to anyone, regardless of political party. Um, the, 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 the defense of the Human Rights Act and the cracking down on protest by Priti Patel is, is genuinely uh, a terrifying assault on liberty itself. And as I say, that isn't a party political point, or it shouldn't be a party political point. The, the right to protest, the right to freedom, the right to expression, the right to fundamental human rights, which were initially written, created by Churchill's government post-war, are under attack now by the British government in this country. That cannot be allowed to go unchecked. That needs to be addressed. And then finally, um, homophobia. And I mentioned before, obviously, about banning conversion therapy, but it goes far, far further than that. Again, in our country, and I referenced this earlier, there has been a rise in hate crime across the board. Um, there's been a hate crime, rise in hate crime since 2016, specifically, at the time of the referendum, when an awful lot of people felt emboldened in their views on hate, and they felt they had been given a platform to facilitate that by politicians. Um, and so our address has to be, again, to focus uh, and double our efforts, focusing on all forms of prejudice, uh, homophobia uh, included. Um, I think I'll leave it there because I could go on about these points and say so, it's a vast policy, but I'll give the time back, guys. Thank you, Paul. I think you've been very clear and articulate on, on the key points there. Um, and I won't expect you to get too much pushback on that. Craig? Yeah, again, I, I mean, we've, I know Rob um, already touched on on these points around violence against women and girls, the sort of LGBT side of, of stuff as well. Um, yeah, not really much to, to come back on that. I think it's all sort of a quite shared values that um, that I'd want anyone to have. So, mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's brilliant. Thank you, Craig. And Rob? Yeah, pretty much the same. As I said earlier on, there's more that unites us and divides us. No, and that and and that's great, and it's it's lovely as we cover these things that you know uh, neither of you seen the list um, of each other before we got into this. So it, it is it, it's always fascinating to me that 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 we've you know we've got several topics there where we've overlapped. Simon. Okay, so um, thank you very much. Let's move on without further ado to Craig's uh, most um, important series priority thing that he'd want voters to know um, from uh, the Labour Party conference, please. Thanks. Yeah. Um, again, on on the, the, the labour side for this. So um, I just really want to go into the, the, the key, um, the, the key four points and, and messages that have come out of, of Labour Party conference and, and those being work, care, equality and security. And, and that's sort of the, the big line um, that Labour are, are pushing now. I mean, I think those those four values, if, if you will, are, are sort of core British values. Um, uh, 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 everybody in our society can 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 get behind. I mean, the sort of fairness. Um, I, I touched already on um, on on the, the, the green jobs uh, for, for work um, under under the, the Labour Green New Deal. Um, care. Um, I mean, we, we've seen in, in a, a lot in the, the press recently. I mean, Labour want to bring in um, a, a care system that that works, um, that is, is is fully funded. I mean, that the disaster. Um, that sort of the Conservatives have made with the, the hike in, in national insurance is, is completely the wrong way to, to go about. I think we 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 need to do something, but the, the way that, that it's, it's being handled is not the way that we're going. And Labour wouldn't be be pressing on with with that agenda. Um, equality. I mean, we, we've touched here on 
uh, violence against women and girls. We touched on LB, LGBT plus rights. Um, and I, I think equality as, as well is is making sure that everybody, um, no matter what level of society you're at, um, is, is paying their fair share um, to, to, to fund the, the country. I mean, we look at um, sort of big corporations um, that are, are, are dogged with, with off, offshore tax, um, billionaires with the billionaires that are sending themselves to, to the moon rather than helping us fix um, the broken parts of our our society. So Labour, again, uh, want, want to bring that back um, and, and use that to, to equal up. I mean, the, the Tories talk about levelling up. Um, we want to, to equal up um, as one of our main priorities. And, and security as well. I, I mean, one of the what one of the, the the first priorities of any government should be keeping its its citizens safe. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm an ex ex armed forces member. I'm a veteran. I served in in Afghanistan and and Iraq. Um, and I mean, bringing our armed forces and our veterans to to the forefront of of, of what we do, um, keeping the country safe, um, and and from from threats both um, abroad and and here at home. Um, I, I mean, th these aren't these four things they're not really just sort of sound bites um from a, a stand-up kind of routine that, that we sort of come out of conservative conference these are sort of clear and, and concise building blocks for for what labor want uh, the, the country to look like and and with a labor government um this is this is what we're going to go for and, and this is what people will get okay thank you craig um rob i'll invite you first to um, make your comments on on craig's on Craig's most important thing from conference? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, again, sorry to say it, but, you know, there's more that unites us on these things in the centre ground than divides us. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you. Nice and uh, nice and brief. Uh, Paul? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going <laughs> to disagree about a few things. I'm going to echo everything Rob just said there, basically. Um, I think, genuinely, there's... Um, I, 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 I take your point, whether they're slogans, whatever you want to call them. Um, I think there's there's a lot there. I suppose as well, there's a point there that that probably sits a lot more so softly with people now that Corbyn has gone. Um, I immediately see sort of social democratic liberal crossovers uh, there, where again there is more that that unites us than divides us. So I, I think this country genuinely needs a strong strong Labour Party, and I, and I genuinely wish you all the best in that regard with that. Okay, thank you. Marvellous. Leads us into our, our, our final offering. So, so Rob, the floor is yours. What was best about uh, the Conservative Party conference? Well, as I'm sure it's the same with all the other party conferences, actually, the main speeches by the senior politicians are real snooze fest. And actually, the quality is in the fringe from real professionals, people that work in industry, etc. And for me, it was around mental health. So it's something I'm a big advocate for. And obviously, today is uh, World Mental Health Day. Um, there were lots of good takeaways, lots of compassion, lots of emotional intelligence. And one of the things that's always irked me um, since getting kind of like, I suppose, uh, neck deep into the world of mental health services, procurement, commissioning, etc., is just how terrible it is and how it fails people every, at every level, vulnerable people, their families, etc., and very sadly, that too often results in suicide. So it was great that after 
years of having various awarenesses or people talking platitudes on air to hear ministers, I suppose, really getting a taste of people that have been on the front line within a conservative environment. And, um, and when I look at Portsmouth specifically, we need an intervention on this. So it spoke to me on that level because I often feel like I'm one of those lone people that are obsessed with an issue, like banging a drum and eventually, you know what it's like, you kind of, you feel very isolated, um, but it's a serious topic. And I certainly think over the past 18 months, where we haven't been able to meet in person in terms of going to party conferences. This was the first time when um, we were able to do so and seeing people face to face and being able to look them in the eye when you're talking about the very serious issues related to mental health, people that have been severely affected, loneliness, isolation, and all of the other you know, problems, addiction, homelessness, et cetera, which leads to very complex mm -hmm. mental health situations were being discussed in great detail about how what the blockages within uh, you know various authorities are blockages with um national government etc and there actually seemed to be people that were listening for the first time on something that i perceive to be very serious now as i'm sure um uh, uh, colleagues will know here so um before the pandemic we had something for young people waiting to go and even be seen before they could be referred even into treatment services. It was around 16 weeks. And I know that Councillor Susie Horton shares my concerns and has been doing everything she can do. But I know that obviously under the pandemic, that's just gone balls to the wall. It's way, way, way worse now. And for anyone to pretend that it's not, we, we've got to, got to have upfront and frank discussions about this. But getting the referral was just the first step and the first hurdle. The actual treatment services, especially for more severe problems and for people that are being sectioned, for example, at the orchards, it's woeful. It is appalling. They're not fit for purpose. And, and it's incredibly complex as well. So I liken it to it feels like you're banging against the door of a fortress with a great huge iron drawbridge. And then when you can finally get inside, it's in a conveyor belt. It just seems that there needs to be a huge intervention. And so for me, so apologies that this is actually quite a bit of a downer, but I think after coming out of the pandemic, so many people are gonna need these these services right away across the, the, the age spectrum as well, across all different backgrounds and across all benches as well. And I think it's positive that, that we, we're now having frank discussions about it, but honest to God, I think that's its own pandemic in itself. And, you know, I think it's something that we need to do better and we will have to work together in order to tackle this. Thank you, Rob. No, very appropriate on World Mental Health Day. Um, so, Paul, you know, just uh, final thoughts on that? Yeah, there's, um, there's an awful lot there that I absolutely agreed uh, entirely with um, the, the, the sentiment behind it. Um, can't can't disagree with them in, in the slightest so i will keep it fairly brief um the, the only thing that and i genuinely I, I mean this absolutely sincerely i'm genuinely pleased to hear that the conservative party conference rob came away feeling that genuinely people were actually being listened to and taken seriously um i, I find it incredible that that's new in 2021 in the conservative party though where in most or in certainly in 
many, many areas of society, that wasn't new. That wouldn't have been a new conversation at most people's parties' conferences in 2021. But, um, again, but sorry, sorry, that, just for clarification, that's not what I meant. I meant as in the fringe events, it was actually very high level, very focused. And let's be honest, government ministers are like on a carousel. They don't stay in the jobs long enough to force yeah. through meaningful policy. And all of the committees that do the evidence, they just take far too long. They work at a glacial pace. So the party has recognised it, but we have some lazy a focus, frank, harsh discussions this year, and it, it was very welcome. Okay, okay, Thank, thanks for that. Um, it obviously needs funding, and funding for mental health has been cut significantly. Um, Norman Lamb, obviously, within the Liberal Democrats for years and years and years, has very much been the spokesperson and the person to listen to in UK politics about this. Um, I hope the Tory party will take forward some of his work. Um, certainly, they were less than impressed and scoffed a lot in coalition. I hope their attitude has changed now. Certainly what Rob's saying to me gives me some, some reason for, encourage, uh, for, for optimism. Thank you, Paul. Craig? Yeah, um, I, I mean, to, to, to quote um, our MP, Stephen Morgan, I know he's, he's said this quite a lot, but the next, um, the next pandemic that we're going to face um, is going to be a, a mental health pandemic there's there's no two ways around it i mean kia starmer um touched on this quite heavily um in in his speech at conference um pledging that meant uh, for mental health service people would be referred um to a a, a, a specialist pra practitioner um within a month because right now that the waiting times um i was listening to a show on on lbc just the other day and people were calling in saying that they've they've waited sort of three or four months um, to be seen, so so we need to to um, invest and, and bring that down. Um, I touched on earlier um, the organisation that um, that I'm part of, um, Labour Friends of the Forces. We had um, quite a successful um, our own fringe event um, at Labour conference. Um, I was on on the, the panel there um, taking questions, um, and one of the, the things that we did touch on quite heavily was veterans' mental health. It, it kind of um, it, it does get sidelined um, from from sort of mainstream services quite often um so yeah it's really an area that we, we should be doing much much more in so thanks thank you and so gentlemen thank you all for your contributions this evening i think you know if you if we anybody who's been listening along has i think the the, the mantra that there is more that unites us than divides us has has come through as there's been so much overlap in those areas and um thank you all for sharing your views of conference and uh, wishing you all the best you've been listening to the pompey politics podcast i've been ian tiny morris and our guest for the liberal democrats has been paul gray and for the labor party craig with and for the conservatives councillor robert new thank you and uh, thank you. And I've been Simon Sansbury. Please join us next week uh, where we'll be looking into uh, staff short staff and stock shortages. Um, if you'd like to take part in that show or have any comment on it, please contact us on Facebook or email us. But thank you for watching. <laughs>if you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, 
play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. stop. See? It's easy.